You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, everybody, welcome back to Man Coverage. I am your host, Mike Payton of Pride of Detroit. Today, we've got another great guest with us, somebody who you have seen uh, around Detroit for a, a while, but not just Detroit, you've seen this guy uh, nationwide, too, at Sports Illustrated. He's, he's been everywhere. Today, we've got the Athletics' Chris Burke. Chris, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. I, I, I know today I'm gonna. I really want to focus a lot about uh, Sports Illustrated, and I, and I know that you work at the Athletic now, and I certainly want to talk about that. But um, Sports Illustrated, you know, it's been around for years and years and years. So I'll, I'll be interested to, to sort of hear some stories about that. But um, as I usually do, uh, I, I kind of like to start at the beginning with with my guests, and uh, and, and you'll be no different. So I'm just curious. Um, you know where 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 did you start? Uh, where did Chris Burke start his his life? And and uh, you know how how big was sports growing up? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I'm a life Michigander. I'm born and raised here. Uh, it was Gross Point when I was young, and then we moved to Grand Rapids uh, like up through high school. My parents were there for until I was in my twenties. Um, so yeah, I mean I was always around uh, the state. My dad was. A uh, huge sports fan. Um, both my parents graduated from Michigan, so I kind of got into to that early. Uh, my dad was a huge, you know, my dad, and my grandparents, all huge Detroit sports fans, and um, so yeah, I mean, it was just always something that was big for me. I was a huge like Tigers fan when I was young, huge Red Wings fan. I played hockey up until about uh, high school. Played baseball up through high school. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just always something that was uh part of my life kind of you know the the classic kids like 12 months a year you know I didn't get into really play football um but it was basically like hockey in the fall and winter and then baseball in the spring and summer and that was pretty much pretty much every year <laughs> while I was growing up so yeah it's always been it's always been part of my life for me did you did you have any uh relationship with the lions as a kid or or, or were you just a big hockey and baseball guy? No, I mean, I was definitely a Lions fan. Um, you know, I think it was, and like, honestly, up through, up until I got into the profession, really, and just, it was covering the NFL and, like, didn't have time to follow them, basically, was how it, how it kind of, I weaned off it. Like, up through college and stuff, I still followed them. Like, high school, we used to go, I mean, I think even in college, uh, we made a couple trips, um, like that uh, Monday nighter, they got just demolished by the Rams. I think was when I was in college. We went down to the Silverdome. Oh yeah, um, like two thousand, two thousand, two thousand one. Uh, so I mean, uh, all the way through college and into like my early professional life, certainly followed them, and then uh, moved around a little and got into covering the NFL. And it was just you know sort of nonstop with the the, the league as a whole. And so it, it just kind of you know it was one of those things where. I just didn't really have the opportunity to follow him as a fan anymore. And then as I started covering him, wasn't 
something you know you couldn't really keep doing it um to to be covering them as a to cover them and be a fan so uh but yeah i mean all through my, my dad still watches them my kid runs around here in a matthew stafford jersey all the time so uh it's still very much you know in the family so when did uh journalism become a passion is, is that something you think you always wanted to do or did you come to it late or no, I mean, I, I, uh, I always was really into writing. I always really liked writing. Like even when I was, um, you know, like ooh, trying to think of ages now, it's feels like every day feels like a year at this point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even when I was younger, like I just playing video games or playing in the backyard or whatever, like there'd be times where I'd finish a game and like write up a pretend game story so i don't know where that necessarily came from i mean i think i always just really loved like um you know reading the newspaper you know reading the sports page when i was younger like i my parents tell me that that's like the first thing that i learned how to read was like the sports page and then like box scores in the newspaper I, i'm sure it was my dad's influence but um it was just something i always really enjoyed doing uh, so i kind of just did it you know, for fun, the way kids screw around with stuff. And then in high school, I did, you know, school paper and went to Michigan and did the the paper there my whole time there. And so by that point, it was, um, you know, I kind of planned on it being my career beyond college. You know, you never really know exactly where it's going to go. But I, I sort of started scouting out how it might, um, you know, become a career for me. And, uh, you know, here we are, I guess, however many 20 years after I started college uh still doing it so yeah I mean it's always been something I really enjoyed and and sort of planned to do you know for uh, on a professional basis I guess sounds like maybe you kind of hyper focused in a little bit I, I mean I I, I kind of was just like you I used to read the box scores exclusively <laughs> and then you know I would read read the back of like basketball cards and like I would I would lock in all that knowledge and, and, you know, people could just ask me certain things that I would always remember. I mean, do you, do you think that you, you sort of zone in on, on, on sports? Uh, and, and that's kind of the thing that you like, uh, you're obsessed with it maybe. And that's why you, you're so good at it. Uh, yeah. I mean, for sure. It, um, you know, I, when, even when I was playing sports, like I, I wasn't a great athlete by any means um but i was always a pretty good player like when i was playing hockey and baseball i was always pretty good even without great athletic traits and i think it was just because i i for whatever reason was just able to process the game really well like i was one of those you know players that oh he's really smart he, he like thinks the game well i think that was kind of my my calling card especially when i played hockey like i certainly wasn't fast or or strong um but i, I felt like i thought the game really well. So, um, I, I think that that was part of it. Like it always just kind of made sense to me. I always, and that was why I loved baseball growing up. Like I really just liked kind of the, and still do, you know, kind of the spaces in between plays in sports where you kind of, you're watching to see how, how players are reacting to what just happened, how they're reacting to what's about to happen. And, you know, for baseball was really the one that kind of hooked me there because you can kind of see it unfolding so slowly and and so methodically, but um, I, I think, yeah, I think it just always kind of made sense to me and always was something that I enjoyed those, the nuances of not just, you know, the wins and losses, but sort of how everything happened. Um, and certainly that, 
that pays off uh, covering it as a journalist because, you know, everyone knows who won the game. And so you got to try and dig a little deeper. So I think it always, you know, as I think back on it now, it certainly makes sense to me um, that it kind of snowballed the way it did. Yeah. I mean, you've been covering football for, for quite a while. I mean, between the athletic and sports illustrated and, and uh, bleacher report and some of the other things that you've done. Um, you know, Jeremy and I were talking the other, the other day when I had him on the podcast and, and, uh, and he had mentioned that, you know, we, we sit here and we watch this game so much, but yet there's still so much we don't know about it. Do you, do you feel like that you have sort of that same, that same thing, like you're learning something new every time you watch game film or, Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and especially because like I mentioned, it wasn't something I played um, when I was younger. So I kind of came into it. uh, You know, I I think I I paid attention to it growing up and my dad officiated high school football um, forever for my whole childhood. So I was always out at games and always around football. I just never played it myself. It was uh, so I think that that was, especially when I was starting, you know, that was a big thing for me is just making sure I knew what I was talking about, (laughs) Um, you know, and then when Sports Illustrated started asking me to do like film review stuff, um, you know, you can't really, you can't really half-ass that, you know, that people are reading that, that understand the game and understand what they're looking at. And that's kind of for the hardcore fan. So that's something where, you know, I really, every off season, even now still try to get in and um, either watch, you know, like coaches, film on youtube or uh read books or whatever just to make sure i'm kind of up on it and um yeah i mean i think that when whenever the rare opportunities now even when we get to talk to when i when i might get a chance to talk to a coach um off the record you know just one-on-one that's generally where i try to steer it is just try to pick their brain a little bit for some something that might take hold. Cause I don't think I'm ever getting to a point where I can like draw up an NFL playbook or open one up and understand every single thing that's happening in there. But I think, um, there's sort of a level there between like the basic understanding of it and an NFL coach's understanding of it, where a lot of people right. want to be and, and can, can kind of process information in there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty confusing thing. I mean, like there's a <laughs> lot of people that that use a lot of phrases that I, you know, like, oh, he's a three tech, you know, uh, and I'm like, I, dude, I, I don't know what you're talking about necessarily. <laughs> I mean, even, <laughs> even like an hour, a couple hours before we started talking, uh, we had the coordinators press conference, and I asked uh, Corey Unlin, the defensive coordinator, a question about just, you know, if, it, you know, just how guys process information on the field, basically, and he started throwing out all these terms, you know, like. Yeah, sometimes you know an offense throws yak motion at us, and and we got to adjust to it. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah, a hundred percent. I absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's always a few of those where I like kind of make a mental note or write it down and go back and have to you know either remind myself because I've only heard it once or twice, or like basically start from scratch and try to figure out what they're talking about. So the next time it comes up, um, I, I know what they mean, <laughs> um, but it still happens. You know, yeah, like you said, I'm covering. This is like. I think I started covering the NFL in like uh, maybe 2007, 2008. So I'm over a decade into it now. And there's still stuff like that where they just casually drop it. Like everyone's supposed to know what they're talking about. And I certainly don't. Yeah. The act motion is, is a new one for me. I, I have not, not heard that one before. Um, so yeah, you were at, you were at SI for quite a while. Sports Illustrated. Um, 
There's a lot of prestige there at, at Sports Illustrated. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily um, that way anymore, what we grew up with. But, uh, I mean, what was that like to kind of walk through those hollowed halls and and uh, be a part of that? I mean, it's such a big such a big uh, publication. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it still is uh, definitely and always will be a career highlight to, to have that opportunity. And, you know, I never wrote anything. You know, I never wrote like a... F- 5,000 word feature for the magazine, but I was in there a few times, especially with uh, draft coverage and um, some Super Bowl coverage. And, you know, I wrote um, a couple of like the commemorative issues they send out when teams win the Super Bowl. I have a couple of those where I did the game stories, uh, the Peyton Manning uh, Super Bowl um, against the Panthers. And then the uh, the next one, the Brady, uh, the comeback against the, <laughs> the Falcons. So I have a couple of those copies. Like those are things that are, it's it still kind of blows my mind that those opportunities were there for me and that you know like i like i said i grew up uh in in loving sports and in the state of michigan and we still have like the sports illustrated commemorative issues from when the red wings won the cup in you know 97 and maybe like when the pistons won in 89 90 so uh to have an opportunity to go write those myself was was pretty special and yeah i i was at i started like you know back at just like a small time newspaper and then was at aol when they back when they had a sports department it's called fan house and then the bleach report like you said and and uh it was just sort of uh, luck i guess that i got the si job you know i had a friend um who i'd worked with at aol moved over to sports illustrated tom mansoranis um and was it got it got bumped up to an editor spot there and you know, just called me one day and said, we're looking for someone to come basically blog about the NFL. We don't really have anyone who does that. You think you'd be interested. Um, and I thought he was joking. Like, yeah, Sports Illustrated's going to hire me to go. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was really, it obviously didn't, uh, you know, things have kind of taken a turn there, but uh, right. as long right. as I was there, it was, you know, it was, it was really special to have that opportunity for sure. Yeah, it's um, you know it's definitely sad to see it take that turn, but um, I, we're certainly not going to sit here and, and uh, talk down about SI for the whole time. <laughs> but man, yeah, it is it is sad to see. Um, so now you're at the Athletic, and and uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is your first beat writer job, or would you consider uh, the Michigan stuff you did a beat writer job? Or no, this is probably my first. This is my first true beat writer job. I mean, since college. Um... I mean, like I said, I was at a small time, uh, small town newspaper out of uh, college where I, I guess, like technically was on some team beats, but it was more just, you know, what you would get, what you would expect from, you know, those kind of biweekly like local papers where you're sort of covering whatever is happening. So that wasn't a specific beat and certainly not to this level. So, yeah, it was uh, this was my first time uh, officially as a beat writer and it's kind of a a leap for me. And I mean, a leap for the <laughs> Craig Custance and the folks that hired me at the athletic to trust me with it. Yeah. I'm always sort of interested in the sports journalism world and just kind of how things are working. And the athletic is like, it's, you know, it's this brand new thing. I mean, it's a few years old at this point, but it's this brand new thing with the, with the paywall. And um, I'm just sort of interested in, in, in hearing, I mean, do you think that that's kind of the way things are going to head? Uh, do you think it's going to be a lot of paywalls or, um, or is the athletic sort of alone in that? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I think that it's it's getting tougher and tougher to not have at least some content behind a paywall. And we've seen that even in the local market this year, you know, uh, free press and the news and M live and, um, have all put at least something behind the paywall and it sounds like ESPN is going to put more things behind the paywall on the national level. And so I think it is just getting a little more specialized. It's sort of becoming almost like, you know, like streaming options on TV. If you cut the cord, like <laughs> you got to subscribe to Netflix and HBO and Hulu and all these different things to get, what you're looking for. And, um, yeah, I mean, from our vantage point, I think it's just, I don't know that we could, I, I mean, I know we couldn't operate the way that we do if it wasn't behind the payroll or the paywall. It's obviously sort of central to everything that they put together over the, at the athletic. Um, I don't know, you know, what it'll look like two or three years from now. I don't know, you know, necessarily what the plans are moving forward for, for us or for all the other, you know, entities who are trying to figure out exactly what to do with the paywalls. But, um, I mean, I, I do think that that's, it's probably here to stay. It's just, it's been, it's really hard to kind of just having been at sports illustrated where we were doing so much stuff, you know, we got to hit X number of page views and we got to make sure we do so many videos and we got to do some audio stuff that has ads in it. And we, you know, it was always this, almost unattainable level of, you know, checking boxes every single month to make sure you were paying the bills. And so this is this, at least from the, from my vantage point, you know, I obviously am not looking at the books every day, but you know, from my vantage point, this feels more stable than what uh, I was kind of chasing with, with my responsibilities at Sports Illustrated, at least the last couple of years there. So just to kind of uh, lighten it up a little bit, I guess, uh, <laughs> so you, you know, all, uh, I don't want to, I don't want my listeners fall asleep with us talking about business and stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so 401k you know, recommendations, you, what do you want to do now? <laughs> yeah. Let's, you know, let's talk Roth IRA, IRAs <laughs> real quick. Um, so, you know, you've been in the business, as we mentioned, a long time. Um, you got to have some cool stories, right? Anything uh, come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I I'm sure I, there are some. <laughs> I mean, I, I think like just on this beat, like getting the, you know, uh, hopefully at least a few people have seen it now. Like the the trip to Alabama with Matt Patricia, um, for like they they went down for the coaching clinic a couple off season ago. They called me like two days before and asked me. Uh, I've been talking to him back and forth about some story ideas and asked me if I felt like hopping on a private plane with them to go down to Alabama. Um, and it ended up being them and Michigan state's coaching staff, like the Mark D'Antonio coaching staff, cause they were also going down to Alabama. Um, and that was like a seven hour trip, just, you know, fly down to Alabama, watch Matt Patricia speak, go wander around the Alabama facility for a little bit and come home. And like, that was, that was probably the craziest experience I've had covering anything. I mean, I think there are some other moments too, that stand out. Like I mentioned, you know, covering the, uh, Broncos Panthers Super Bowl right at the end of Peyton Manning's career. Uh, he was the last guy out of that Denver locker room. Like I just hung back with everyone. Uh, there were maybe man, people started clearing out. Like Peter King was still in there. Um, like a couple Denver guys, and, and pretty much everyone had, had gone other spots either to write or to find other interviews. And I just kind of hung back and. Like I've still got a picture somewhere on my phone or on my computer of Peyton Manning walking out of the locker room, like for the last time after a game. Um, 
which like in the moment it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then again, sort of thinking back on it, like that was to be in that position um, and to be there as he's exiting, like one of the greatest players of all time is leaving the locker room for the last time after he played an NFL game. Um, like it, it was, it's, it, it's pretty surreal to have some of those experiences. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are, others along the way but like off the top of my head those are the couple that jump out for sure yeah it, it's it's kind of weird um to just be around all these guys that are on tv and are on video games and <laughs> it's you know, they have their own jerseys and it's like i don't know I, it's 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 strange but you I, you know we were in minnesota last year and i like bumped into matthew stafford coming into the locker room and and you know like i turned to him i said i'm sorry and then I had this moment where I'm like, that's Matthew Stafford. I just bumped into <laughs> Matthew Stafford. Like, yeah. that's weird, you know? I, I, I don't, like, I'm going to tell people about that. Like, and, and I'm not going to, not going to, like, and I'm going to think it's not totally crazy. But at the same time, it's like, I just, I just bumped into this dude, you know? I, I don't, I don't know. I just think that sort of thing is, it's kind of funny. You, you become desensitized to it after a while, but um, it's just, I don't know. I just always thought that was weird. Yeah. I mean, there's always sort of a, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's just like human nature to kind of try to play it cool in some of those uh, elements too. But I, I just, even thinking back to like covering a Super Bowl for Sports Illustrated and we'd always get kind of hooked up with, you know, uh, invites to some of these random like parties that were going on throughout the week. And so like, I I saw like, this like really exclusive Taylor Swift concert one year. And then uh, another year I saw outcast at like one in the morning in, I think it was the New York super bowl. And there's like a Madden event going on to my right with all these current and like hall of fame NFL players are hanging out there, you know, celebrities wandering through to catch the show. And it's just, it was one of those things you, you like when you're in it, you're just like, you're not really thinking too much of it. You're just kind of enjoying it. And like, Oh, this is really strange but uh, again like as as these experiences happen like i, I do think it, it is it is sort of hard to really wrap your mind around some of it that's going on because i think you're right i mean even even now i think it's weird um not weird but like it is still every once in a while you'll still get that where or i'll still get that where you know i'll be talking um like i did a couple years ago did a uh, Jim Nance had the Thanksgiving game and he came into Detroit and they, I got to talk to him for like 45 minutes about his entire career. And it's just one of those things, especially with guys like that, like you grew up listening to him and watching him on TV and all these sorts of things. And then you're suddenly you're in a room with them and you have to um, figure out how to talk to him like a normal human being for an hour. And it, uh, it can be kind of daunting because it, it just, you know, there, there's a different, part of your brain that has to kind of click on when you're doing it professionally and when you're trying to enjoy it just as like a human being who, lo- who enjoys sports. It's a, uh, it's, it is, it can be, it can, it can be a weird dynamic sometimes. I mean, it's a cool job. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And, and I'm sure, you, you know, um, you've obviously experienced way more than I have, but the, the things that I've been able to see is and do is um, I just never would have, Never would have thought it would happen. It's it's, it's just uh, it's I don't know. I guess I still get starstruck sometimes. But is Stafford your favorite? Uh, any, like running? No, my favorite is is Kurt Menefee always mm. because um, it, it, it's just the situation I thought was funny because he was there at training camp and I'm like, oh my god, that's Kurt Menefee over there. <laughs> Fox. 
like it, he's not even the most famous person in the world, but I'm like, it's Kurt Menefee. I see this guy every Sunday. And I just went up and started talking to him and um, I just launched right into a conversation and I never introduced myself at any moment. Uh, <laughs> and and the, when we were wrapping up the conversation, he was like, uh, oh, it was nice to meet you. And then he grabbed my credential and he's like, Mike, uh, and then he walked away because I never introduced myself at any point. I just just went up and started talking to Kurt Menefee. So that's always been sort of my favorite favorite little story. But <laughs> uh, oh, that and uh, I just remember um, my first training camp ever. Uh, there was like a, a scrum around uh, Haloti Nada, and I sort of stuck my my phone in there to record. And maybe I got a little too close to him and he gave me like an unbelievable death stare. He was talking, but looking directly at me. And I thought, uh, you know, he's going to kill me. (laughs) This is my first time here. I'm not supposed to be here. This dude's going to kill me. What's happening. Um, But yeah, those, those are definitely my my favorite moments. Yeah. There's always, I think there are, I think everyone has those kind of, um, those moments, like those learning moments, I can't remember who I was covering. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was for Sports Illustrated, which because they, you know, I didn't go out to a ton of games. So then when they'd send me on assignment, it would just be like you drop in for the the day of the game or you drop in for like a training camp practice or two and kind of have to figure out who every single person <laughs> that you were talking to was like on site. Uh, and so it was like a totally different fresh wave of panic every single time because you're trying to you know kind of mentally either read jerseys or like read the locker room nameplates or or just place faces especially if it wasn't a guy who was um a big name and so there was a one game where it was a punt return or a punt block there's some something big happened on special teams and so i wanted to go find out you know what it what it happened what how that play had unfolded and so i went into like the defensive backs area uh to talk to one of the guys who was on the field for that play. And like three questions in, I realized that the dude I was talking to was sitting in someone else's locker stall, like in front of it, And I was talking <laughs> to the wrong guy. Uh, and fortunately, I think he probably figured it out at some point, but he also happened to be on special teams. So I tried to just like play it off and toss him some generic questions as I realized what I've been doing. But um, that was... I don't just go and assume that the guy sitting in a locker is the person whose locker it is anymore. So right. I think everyone's got a few of those in the bank. Well, these guys are in helmets 90% of the time. We don't really see their faces and not everybody has a memorable face like Matthew Stafford or a Darius Slay, for example. Like you, you can't always just tell. I mean, there, there's 53 guys. They're always wearing helmets. It's It's hard to tell everybody's face right away. Yeah, for sure. Especially like, like, yeah, like training camp is always a mess. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it is a it's one of the unique um, obstacles of covering uh, covering football. If you yeah, like if you if you haven't been around a guy a bunch, and if you don't recognize him because he's uh, a really popular player, then there's always um, you know some time that takes to get to get get to know these players on the roster. Right. Well, speaking of messes, uh, I want to talk about the uh, the current Detroit Lions with you. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to Man Coverage. Uh, I'm Mike Payton. Today we've got Chris Burke of The Athletic. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions. So I'm going to just ask the question that everybody else is asking, Chris. What the hell is going on? Well, uh, they're not getting any better. I think we can comfortably say that, which is problematic. (laughs) And, you know, I was talking with um, Nick Baumgartner, who uh, is my covers the lines with me at the athletic. We, we do a podcast together and we were talking on our podcast this week. And, you know, I sort of said that you look at the, the games within your division as kind of bellwether games every year. Cause you can see the progress year to year. Um, those are the easiest ones to kind of monitor whether you're getting better or getting worse or staying competitive. And, um, the Lions aren't beating any of those teams, and they're increasingly uh, not all that competitive in in some of those games, especially against the Vikings. So they just cannot figure out that Vikings offense at all. Um, and so I think that that's a really bad sign. That's those are those are the ones that jump out to me and say this isn't isn't happening right now because I think you can kind of get by some of those other games, those teams that you're not used to seeing, you can kind of fool them with the game plan or with some tweaks to the scheme. But when you get it right into it against teams that you're seeing twice a year, they know what you're going to try and do. You know what they're going to try and do. And the Lions just not been good enough to match up with the bears and the Vikings. And when Aaron Rodgers is healthy, uh, the Packers all that well. So uh, that's that's a problem. I don't know how you get past that. Uh, I, again, I just don't, you're two and a half years in now. It just doesn't seem like anything's really clicking at this point. Yeah. And it's clear at this point, it, it's, it's not going to work with Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn. And, and I would be absolutely shocked if they're not let go uh, mid season or by the end of the season, for sure. Um, well, at least Patricia, I mean, you have to get rid of Quinn early if you're going to be looking for a new GM, but um uh, you know, for me, I just can't help but look at it and think that there is an issue with predictability and there's a little bit of a maybe a narcissistic attitude around um, we're just going to keep riding this thing until it works. Um, and eventually it's going to be their undoing. And I, I just wonder, I mean, do you feel that do you feel the same way? Do you think that they're just trying too hard to make certain things work, like establishing the run with Adrian Peterson, for example? I mean, it. It's clearly not working, but they're just going to keep on doing it in hopes that maybe it'll just magically work. It's just, it seems like these issues are so simply fixed, but um, I don't know. Do you think, do you think it's a little deeper than that? 
No, I mean, I think that that's a pretty good starting point and like not to repeat talking points for people who might listen to this and my podcast with Nick. But I mean, I think that it was pretty telling Monday, Monday's presser this week. Um, Matt Patricia was asked, you know, the Vikings obviously have Dalvin Cook, their team that they run the ball really well. They use play action. That's their identity. What's your team's identity? What do you want it to be? And he said, well, you know, we've always wanted to be a team that, uh, can, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but we've always wanted to be a team that controls the trenches. We want to run the wall well. And we want to stop the run. And that's what we want our identity to be. And I don't think it's a secret that that's what they want their identity to be, but they can't do either of those things. Uh, and so, again, you're two and a half years in now. I think the run game, if you're looking at something that has gotten moderately better, um, there has been progress in the run game, uh, especially when DeAndre Swift's been back there and to some extent when Carrion Johnson's been healthy. But they are not a team. If you were to ask the other 31 coaches around the league as they get ready to play the Lions, what is this team's identity? Not a single one of them would say, well, they're really good in the trenches. They're just going to hammer you in the trenches. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that is stubbornness. I think some of it is just, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I think Matt Patricia's seen it work in New England, seen this, some version of what he's trying to do here work in New England. And he's, tr- as we've talked about, you know, kind of ad nauseum throughout the throughout the regime here, like they want to recreate their version of it. And he knows that X, Y, and Z worked in new England. He wants to do his version of X, Y, and Z. And if that doesn't work, they're just going to keep trying to make it work. There's not really a plan B. I think that that's what we see time and again in these games. You know, if they, the team takes something away, the lions don't really have an alternative. And so you end up uh, just making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah, I mean it's you know it 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 can be quite frustrating to watch and and I understand the the want to sort of recreate what you did in New England, but it's like I mean it's clearly a different situation, uh, you know, because everybody in New England has has their own. It's like a cog system. Everybody has something that they need to be doing, um, and they have something that they do well, and it seems like he just doesn't transfer that sort of idea. Uh, over over to Detroit as well because you know you have a lot of guys who can't do things well and you have a lot of guys and you're making them do things that they that they can't do instead of the things that they can do and it's just I don't I don't know it's it's a very um, interesting situation but I, I, there is there is a scenario that a lot of people are are interested in and I wrote a column about it yesterday um, what what would you think of the idea of of just letting Patricia go and letting Braden Braden Coombs run this team. Yeah. I mean, I think there's kind of a groundswell for that possibility. Um, It's hard to know exactly how realistic it is because of this is the other area of frustration. And this is, I think fans are probably frustrated with this, but you know, this is one of those that like those of us that cover the team might be more frustrated than the fans. We were kind of led to believe that there'd be a little more transparency with Sheila uh, Fordham taking over as owner. And some of it's just because of the circumstances of this year. He can't be around the team, can't be around the building, but there hasn't been any of that transparency. So it's, it's hard to get a good gauge for where they're at. Um, You know, I know when we had the little like beat writer meeting with them at the end of last year, she definitely was frustrated with how the year had gone. She didn't expect this to be, uh, you know, a rebuilding situation. She thought they were going to compete 
last year, let alone this year. So I'm sure they're kind of at the end of the rope here um, one way or another. It's also, uh, as I keep kind of cautioning people, I, I think they're waiting as long as they possibly can to make sure that this doesn't work because it's such a massive undertaking if they pull the plug. Because as you said, you're talking GM, coach, probably both coordinators. You got to probably look at Stafford scouts. just because <laughs> um, scouts. Yeah. I mean, you got to do the redo the whole operation top to bottom. And so uh, it is daunting. Um, but Coombs is interesting. And I think, you know, just the trajectory of his career, uh, the way his players talk about him, the background he has as a player, his dad's a, you know, a coordinator at Ohio State. He's been in the NFL now for 10 years. I think if he doesn't get a head coaching job, in the NFL, if he doesn't, you know, bump up from special teams coordinator to head coach or to defensive coordinator and that head coach or whatever the path may be, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see a college team come in and try to offer him a contract to be their head coach. Cause I just think he has that. Um, I mean, it just feels like he's going to be a head coach. He seems like a guy that you can put out in front of your franchise. He's going to get players to play for him. He's like I said, he's been a player, so he knows kind of what it takes and uh, I think if they do make a move in season, that's that's the only one that makes sense to me. To fire Matt Patricia after Thanksgiving or whatever and promote Daryl Bevel, I mean, that's just biding time till the end of the year. Daryl Bevel is not going to be your head coach next year. He's probably not going to be in the organization if everyone gets cleaned out. Coombs is a guy they should be prioritizing to keep around regardless of what it takes to do that. Right, yeah, and and I... I had another column today and it was basically saying that as well. I think when it's all said and done um, and you're, you're looking at, you're a new GM, new head coach Coombs is the guy you want to keep. He's the guy you definitely, definitely want to keep around. And the idea would just be to sort of expedite the, the process of seeing where he is at as a, as a head coach. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess I'm su- suggesting some sort of miracle situation where he comes in and, and he looks really good, good enough to maybe even say, well, hey, let's give him a shot as a as a head coach with the next GM. Um, but you know, I mean, that's a situation that is you know uh, probably unlikely to happen. But yeah, I, I think this is the only guy that you want to keep on this entire staff. I mean, I think they do have some other assistants who wouldn't have a hard time landing jobs. I mean, I'm sure Corey Unlin would go somewhere um, and at least be back as a secondaries coach. You know, Matt Patricia, I'm sure, would land on his feet probably back in New England, but maybe, you know, Miami or Tennessee or somewhere where he's familiar with the head coach there. Um, But yeah, I mean, Coombs, if you're talking about sort of guys who are rising right now, I think you maybe put like Steve Gregory in that category. Um, Maybe like Ty McKenzie at linebackers coach. But I mean, I I, obviously the linebacker play this year doesn't speak super highly of what they're getting uh, out of the coaching staff. But, you know, I, I think Coombs is the one that, yeah, I, like I said, I think I my I think eventually he's getting above the current station he's in, just because of how well the Lions are doing with him as their special teams coordinator, and because of kind of how this seems like it's setting up. You know, he's he's climbed the ranks now. He uh, is very polished in his press conferences. Again, his players love playing for him. I, I mean, I just think it makes sense. That's the only one. Like I said, that's the only one that makes sense to just fire him for the sake of firing him. Uh, I mean, you may as well wait. 
And that haircut too, man. I mean, good God, that nice. guy's got it going really on. Nice. That yeah. just, I don't know if it's pomade or I don't know what it is, but man, that guy, good hair. Uh, so before we wrap up this segment, I just kind of want to get your thoughts. Um, you know, uh, I, another column that I wrote, not to continue to plug my stuff on here. But, hey, it's but, your show, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So let's talk more about me then. Uh, <laughs> say I had a column come out on, on Tuesday that basically sort of looks at the Lions future post Matt Patricia post Bob Quinn. And it looks incredibly bleak with, um, you know, next year alone, you could be looking for an entire new wide receiving core, uh, you, you know, new coach, new GM. You've got all these former Patriot contracts uh, on the books that are taking up just a large amount of, of your cap space as it is. And it's only going to get worse next year. Um, as guys like Trey Flowers, uh, you know, their money starts to go up. Uh, what do you think that we're looking at here in the near future? I mean, is this a complete and total rebuild or or is this something that maybe they could bounce out of? I mean, I, I think I think the opportunity is there to bounce out of it. Uh, and, and most of that starts on offense. I mean, I, I people keep asking me about Stafford. I'm sure they keep asking you about Stafford. Um, I don't think it's very hard for me to see this happening <laughs> next year where they're this like in a few months where they're dealing Stafford. I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense financially. It doesn't make a lot of sense for the roster. I mean, I think if you're hiring a new GM and a head coach, you want to at least give them the opportunity to decide that Matthew Stafford is not your franchise quarterback. Um, and so I, I think that offensively, there's a lot of pieces there. Yeah. You got to get, I assume you've got to get Kenny Galladay locked up at some point. Uh, you've got to figure out the receiver position a little bit, but there's a lot of spots there on offense, including on the offensive line, where they're pretty set uh, for the next few years here. And so that's your starting point. And then defensively, you just try to figure out what you have. I think that's I mean, not surprisingly where a lot more of the decisions are going to have to be made because I there aren't a lot of guys who look like long-term fits. There are some tough contracts where you might have to make a decision pretty soon whether you want to pay another guy for another year or, or cut him loose and save some money. And so that's going to be whether it, and that's going to be true if it's Quinn and Patricia for another year, or if it's a new GM coach like you, uh, there's going to be some decisions to be made on defense because uh, a lot of guys are not pulling their weight for the type of money they're making. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, and you're right. A lot of people do ask about Matthew Stafford, and I'm with you on that. I mean, I don't see any reason that they would want to 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 let him go. And and frankly, I you know I think that if if the Lions are sort of in a position where they're going to have to sell themselves to a new GM rather than try to hire it, and a head coach as well, in in my opinion. And I think Matthew Stafford is that biggest selling point is that you've got a quarterback ready to go, even though he's not having the greatest 2020 in the world, but. Um, in terms of Kenny Galladay, it's like it, I, I just don't see it happening anymore, man. I, uh, unless they franchise tag him. I, I mean, if I were Kenny, it, it, this this is looking like a pretty toxic situation in Detroit. I'm not sure I'd want to stick around. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure that what's happened so far has been financial. I mean, the the way that the way that people talked about this in the off season, um, including Galladay. It sounded like it was close and now we're here in mid-November and he's hurt and the team's not very good and we don't know who the new, we don't know who the GM's going to be in 2021. And um, 
yeah, there's a lot of variables right now. I mean, I think some of that will depend on what the situation actually is. You know, if if you hire someone, if if they clean house and then you hire someone that, uh, you know, the that seems like they might have the right idea about this, um, then, I, it, you know, guys would still want to play here. And a lot of times it comes back to, it, it always sort of comes back to money anyway. You know, if then whoever's the GM in this offseason says, all right, well, we see what, we see what, what we need here. We don't have any receivers except for like Quintus Cephas, I think signed beyond this year. You're our number one guy. Geronimo Allison. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you're our number one guy. Like we'll just, here's, we'll give you pretty close to what you're asking. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it, the longer these things drag on, obviously the tougher they are to sort of hammer out. So I don't, it, it feels like it'd be a huge mistake to let him walk, but it, it's, sure kind of at a crossroads at this point. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, all right, well, we've got one more segment left. We're going to put Chris through the lightning round on the other side of the break, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Man Coverage. I'm Mike Payton. We've got uh, Chris Burke from The Athletic today. And uh, we're going to put you through the 10-question lightning round. This is 10 questions. It's uh, football-related, food, entertainment, uh, uh, apparel. Uh, we've got all sort of things <laughs> going on in this in this lightning round. Everyone's survived it so far. Are you ready? Yep, let's go. All right, let's start you off with the first question. Um Obviously, hey, the election's over. Uh, now TV's free again. You can watch whatever you want um, instead of watching CNN or Fox News all day, every day. Uh, what are you watching right now? What are you streaming? What show are you getting into? What do you got? Uh, I'm actually taking recommendations. If you've got anything, I've got a couple that I'm uh, kind of powering through right now. I've got a couple episodes of uh, of Lovecraft Country left on hbo um i've been watching dark i don't know if you've heard of that one uh it's like a yeah. it's pretty trippy um uh so i got a couple i've got those that i'm going through um yeah i'm definitely taking recommendations though if you have any because i i was just talking to my wife the other day about trying to find uh whatever the next you know kind of binge worthy show is going to be yeah, I mean, if if you haven't watched uh, Watchmen yet on on HBO oh, yeah. Max, yep. is, I have one left a, of that. Amazing right, show. I forgot about that one. I got. Okay. The, I just have the finale left of that one, which yeah, it's a, awesome. The the I guess the penultimate one, the one right before the finale, was incredible. So I'm anxious to get the yeah. last one knocked out. Yeah, it, well, that last one's incredible too. And then there's um, there's the Vow, which is uh, also on HBO Max. That's about the uh, the Nexium. Um, mm, okay. cult group that's uh that's worth watching if you guys are into the docu series that sort of thing and then there's Shit's Creek I don't know if you watch Shit's Creek but yeah we're uh, actually uh, really funny fun back through our into our second uh second viewing of Shit's Creek so that I I feel like I need to have a comedy kind of always on the back burner because the uh just the state of affairs in the world <laughs> you know you need some sort yeah. of release at some point so uh 
but yeah, I appreciate the uh, other recommendations. Definitely, definitely check those out. Yeah. Well, if you're looking at for a comedy, then I recommend the greatest comedy show that ever existed, and that's Fresh Prince of Bel Air. There you go. It's on HBO Max. <laughs> Is it? it? Enjoy All right. it. I, yeah, I I watch that. I have it on DVD, and now it's on HBO Max. I watch it probably two times a year. Uh, I love it so very much. Uh, I didn't realize it was on right, HBO. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah, that was one of the big selling points for for HBO Max is that you could watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But yeah, it's on there, man. Enjoy, okay. and it's in HD too. So there you oh, go. all right. Uh, so uh, next question: Who's your favorite football player ever? Do you have one? Um, I mean, I feel like you can't go wrong here with Barry. I mean, I was more of like a, a, a Chris Spielman. I love Chris Spielman when I was younger. I actually like really had, I don't know, I guess it's probably because I grew up here like in Big Ten country, 1990s football. Like I always really liked the t- like guys who are really good at the tight end position. Um, like Tony Gonzalez yeah. was always like, was is probably up there for me. Um, I don't know, just like anyone at that position who was, who was really good in all phases. <laughs> um, I always sort of appreciated uh, guys who could get it done there. Like I have Michigan answers for that. The guys who didn't like Jeremy Tooman, who went on and had like an okay NFL career. <laughs> like I have a lot of 1990s big 10 football answers that maybe didn't translate as well to the next level. Are you a big David Sloan fan? <laughs> uh, that might've been, that might have been where it ended. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Fair I, enough. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that position though, I, I still appreciate like being able to like, that's, I think that's why like the, some of the Matt Patricia stuff does kind of speak to me. Like I appreciate a team that can go do that. And, but uh, yeah, that, those are, those are just a few of the names I think. Sure. So uh, Backstreet Boys are in sync. Uh, that's uh, that's a good one. I think in sync for me. Feel pretty confident. Yeah, I think that's with in sync with Timberlake and and all that. You got to go that route. You just have to. Uh, dogs or cats? Dogs for sure. I'm allergic to cats. They don't seem to like me. We've got a, a awesome twelve uh, year old husky corgi mix who. Hopefully he'll hang on here for a little while longer, but he's, uh, you know, we've had him since he was a puppy. Uh, he's awesome. I had kids or I had, I had kids. I had dogs, uh, growing up as a kid. So dog for sure. Husky and a Corgi mix. That seems. That's, yeah. That's, I mean, he, that's weird. <laughs> he looks like a, he's looks like a Husky, but he's the size of a Corgi. So he, he kind of, yeah, people kind of freak out when they see him. <laughs> he's like half the size of a regular Husky. That's yeah. That's wow. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Uh, favorite movie. Um, I mean, like Field of Dreams for me is still like I will watch that anytime. I the one that like I never know how to how to uh, rate this because I will only I only watch it a month out of the year. But uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation might be my favorite movie like ever uh, I can watch that every day in December, but then not after December. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm that way with Scrooged. It's, no, it's there my, you go. It's That's a great one. Top yeah. favorites, but 
But we only watch it once a year. We watch it on Christmas Day and then never again after that. <laughs> that's what I, I watch White White Christmas on Christmas Eve while I wrap, wrap presents. So that's my like very specific movie tradition. But yeah, uh, right. Christmas vacations on here all the time for four weeks. I'm, yeah, I'm happy my wife puts up with that weird tradition. It's like we're at her parents' house on Christmas Day. And like, we got to get home. We got to watch Scrooge. We got to do it. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. Every, every week I put, uh, my guests through a scenario. Um, so you'll be no different. So let's see what we, what we want to do here with you. Uh, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you at the 10 yard line, uh, your opponent's 10 yard or no, I'm sorry, your 10 yard line. Let's do your 10 yard line, okay. uh, with about 45 seconds left one timeout and the 2020 New York jets <laughs> and you're down six. <laughs> God. You're down. You're down. You're down six. Go. How are you going to win that game? Is Flacco my quarterback, or is it Sam Darnold? Who's Who's under center for me? Uh, let's pretend Flacco and Darnold are are hurt, and you got to go with whoever their number three quarterback. Oh my is. god! So, uh, just Just go go with uh, go with. Let's go with Flacco. I feel like. See, I feel like Flacco at least gives me a shot to hit the like pass interference plays downfield. That's like the Joe Flacco tradition. Just heave it up and hope someone uh you get a call downfield. So I uh maybe take one over the middle of the field, try to hit Jamison Crowder, get some yards, get into striking distance, and then just see if I can get lucky and uh uh, like who are even there? Is it Perriman? Brashard Perriman's there. Like maybe hit Flacco a shot up the sideline to Perriman. See if we can draw a pass interference. Frank Gore is not on the field for me as much as I love Frank Never. Gore. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I'm. I think I'm going Flacco. I think I'm just airing it out and seeing if I can uh, connect on one. Yeah, fifty-eight year old Frank Gore is not on the field. In the <laughs> He's the played game. so much for so them. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, he's that dude's never going to die. Uh, what, uh, if you could be a pro athlete, what sport would you play? Um, huh. Probably, probably baseball. I mean, just cause that was the one I grew up loving. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like it's the one I'd be least likely to get killed in <laughs> by contact from an opponent. Yeah. So I think it, I think it'd be baseball just to sort of throw back to my childhood and, and kind of the, you know, whatever I dream of being a professional athlete, it was usually baseball. Were you a pitcher or uh, outfield or? Uh, I played second base mostly I had a good glove. Um, I pitched as like everyone pitches. Like I was sort of uh, right. like, the like Greg Maddox of little league, like 50 mile an hours and try and paint the corners, <laughs> you know, like yeah, okay. it wasn't a super, wasn't a super effective <laughs> approach at 10 years old. Sure. Sure. Uh, what are your, uh, go-to pizza toppings? Now tread lightly here because oh, this one gets contentious. There's a wrong answer to this one. Oh, there is definitely a wrong. Answer. <laughs> um, I'm pretty, I, I don't know. I like to go pretty classic. Like I can go, uh, if I'm just ordering one, like just whatever I want on it, it's probably going to be like pepperoni, uh, sausage mushroom. Maybe I think that'd probably be where I'd go. 
Oh yeah, that's fine. I'll allow that. I I will not. I will not allow pineapple on this right. show. I had a feeling that was the wrong answer, but <laughs> just wanted to. It's I, always I nervous. The wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, two more questions here. Uh, Nike or Adidas? Uh, I think. As someone who graduated from Michigan, I'm obligated to say Nike. I think I'm contractually sure. obligated to say Nike, <laughs> um, but probably Nike anyway. Yeah, no, that's the. I mean, that's the way I would go personally. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Chris. I I think if you've listened to the show before, you know what question's coming. This is the big one. This is what we're here for. Our quarterback wins real. <laughs> um. It's a, it's it's a yes or no question, right? Like there's well, no gray, I mean, you know, with shade, shades of gray, <laughs> I suppose. I I kind of think they're real. <laughs> okay, well, you got to explain yourself then. Well, that's why I say, like, I don't, I don't, I feel like there are shades of gray in quarterback wins, but I, I feel like you also have to give. I, I feel like quarterbacks deserve some level of credit for teams being good or bad. Like it's the most important position. Um, got the ball in their hands. You know, like I, I don't know. I, I can't, I've never been able to totally disregard it. And I know there a lot of people would disregard it. I've never been able to go down that road. Cause I just feel like quarterbacks play too much of a role in whether your team wins or loses, loses a game. So um, I, I don't think they're real to the point where every uh, ruling you pass on a quarterback's worth is based on whether they have a you know above five hundred record, but I I think that it's I think it's part of the equation, something to be considered you know way down the list, but not off the list. Okay, all right, um, <laughs> yeah. You seem angry just, about uh, that I'm and the just, pineapple on the. I'm 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 so against it. I, <laughs> A quarterback wins in pineapple. That's those are my two bugaboos right there. That's <laughs> no, I, I went one for two. <laughs> yeah. No, I just uh, you know it, it's the same thing I say to everybody. I I I just think that you know there's there's 53 guys on each team. You know there this is one guy. He doesn't he somebody's got to catch the ball. You know what I mean? Uh, somebody's got to block for the quarterback to be able to throw it. Uh, you know, you got a running back, obviously. And then you got your defense, which he doesn't, you know, you, Matthew Stafford will play defense. If he did, you'd be pretty bad about at it, I would imagine. Uh, and then there's special teams as well. I think there's just so many facets to the game. It's just hard to, to, uh, to, to put it all on one guy, whether it's a win or loss. But I understand, I understand why, why it's done. I understand why you look at, um, uh, a quarterback and, and as the most valuable player of the team. And I understand why you, why you want to pay them the amount of money that you pay them. Um, I just think at the same time, you're, you're rooting to like Sam Darnold is the perfect example. I always bring him up. It's the New York jets are a horrible, horrible right. football team. Yeah. And because of that, it's probably going to ruin Sam's career. Uh, and, and he's not a bad. He's not a bad. He's not a bad quarterback. He's not. He's not horrible, at least. Uh, and he's a guy that you know should get another shot somewhere else after New York eventually cuts them because they presume that he's the reason they're as bad as they are. Um, so I don't know. I just think that there's a chance that it's it kind of ruins uh, players' careers a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I 
I've always kind of looked at it the same way that maybe not the same way, but similar to like, like we track wins and losses for goalies in hockey. We track wins and losses Mm -hmm. for pitchers is a little different. I mean, I feel like pitchers is further out on their own, but it's, you know, it's kind of the same idea. Like you're the one guy and (laughs) like if you throw a one hitter and lose one to nothing that goes on your record as a loss. And so that's not entirely fair all the time either. I just think that, um, I don't know. For me, the quarterback is just so. It, I feel like quarterback. It, it's weird for, because I feel like quarterback wins are more of a thing than quarterback losses. If that makes any sense, like I feel like the losses, yeah. it's hard to always pin on guys. But like for you to win, most times in the NFL, your quarterback has to play pretty well, and so. Um. I don't know. I just can't totally discount the idea of quarterback wins because I think that it's just there's just no getting around how important that position is to a team winning games. Like you have to play pretty well at quarterback most of the time to win a game. So I think it's like I said, I think it's it's part of the equation for me. And that's why like Darnold's a great example, because I think he is. I think if you're just watching him play football and you see the sort of the development track for him, like there's clearly talent there. Like if you put a good right. team around him, he probably could be a guy that takes you to helps you get to the playoffs. But, you know, at the same time, you're not winning right now. And so it just sort of helps you. I don't know. I feel like it's part of the picture of figuring out how good a guy is. All right. Yeah, we'll allow. That's fair enough, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> Not getting well, invited Chris, back after that one. Uh, no, no, no. If we, if we, we'll, we'll bring you back at some point. We'll bring you back. Maybe ten years from now. I yeah. need some time to get <laughs> time over to this. Change my mind. <laughs> right. uh, well, yeah, I want to thank you for coming on today. And uh, is is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say just uh, come check us out at the Athletic. If you hadn't, we've always got some subscription deals running. And then I mentioned uh, the podcast with Nick is called One of These Years. It's about the Lions. It'll be, we'll keep it going through the off season as we get into whatever this off season is going to be. So um, happy to have people check that out too. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to plug something for you because I thought your Tech Mobile article was awesome. So I would recommend <laughs> Thank you. I would recommend people take a look at that. Is that's behind the paywall or is that one unlocked? Uh, it is behind the paywall. Um, I do have a handful of like, uh, if people want to check it out, I have a, <laughs> a handful of uh, little uh, coupon codes. I don't know what they're called, but um, yeah, like 30 day passes for people. Um, so if you're interested in reading it, uh, let me know and I, I'll see what I can do. Yep, definitely, definitely a good article, but uh, make sure you pay Chris to read that one. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, th- again, thanks for for coming on, and uh, uh, please tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, and we'll uh, we'll get on out of here. Yeah, uh, I'm at Chris Burke NFL, and yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. I appreciate it. No problem. And I am at uh, pod underscore Peyton, and uh, you could find us uh, all our good stuff here at Pride of Detroit, and uh, look on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcast, we're on there. Uh, just give us some likes and some subscribes, some uh, feedback. We're always uh, wanting to hear it. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening today. We'll see you next week.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.